Welcome to Park Fermi, the Canadian Formula One podcast. That's P3, P3. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's okay, mate. Woo! Purple. Hey, he's got on the podium. Who would have thought? We talk race reviews, news from the paddock, and bring you everything from the world of Formula One. And something to limit the problem. Congratulations. Well, change your car. You've got a problem. Change your fucking car. You change your car because Checo has been saying the car is fucked. And now your hosts, Drew, Walker, Ed, and Tomas. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Park Ferme, the Canadian Formula One podcast. We're back here with the boys, Drew, Edward, and our man, Thomas, with a brand new mic. Hallelujah. Let's hear it, Thomas. What's up? What's up? What's up? From Lithuania at 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> 12.30. Straight from Lithuania at 1.30 in the morning. We give you so much shit, but really the fact that you are there at 1.30 in the morning, uh, week after week doing this with us. Um, you you deserve a little more credit than we're probably giving you. So he's the fucking uh, real. Thank MVP. you for joining us. All good. Glad to be here. So today we obviously don't have a race to recap. We are going to just be. It's a bit of a mishmash of an episode. We're going to be talking about a few um, different subjects, and we are going to kick this off with one of the most controversial topics to come out of Formula One in the last few years. We are going to be talking about the 2021 championship. That final race that season between Max and Lewis. And just before we get started, I want to let everyone know, everyone out there listening, that we did clear today's episode with Edward's doctor. He has been deemed physically fit to have this conversation because last time when we were talking about it, we were thinking about what we we're going to talk about today with no race. And Ed was just getting a little boiled. He was getting a little hot. So we sent him off for a physical, right? That a full, full panel. Um, no risk of cardiac arrest. We so, we are still waiting back on the mental health check. We, we're not well, 100% yeah, but, on that. Man. We will let the listeners decide whether or not he's capable of talking about this topic. Yeah, we will, you know, you'll survive. You'll be fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll try. I'll try. Yeah, you'll try. So I'm, I'm hesitant to hand it off to you to start, but there, there's so much to unpack here. There's so much to talk about when we talk about that season, that championship, that final race. I don't know, Ed. Do you I'm, do you want yeah, to start? I mean, like, yeah, of course. I, I, I <laughs> of want course. To start. Yes, I want to. Yes. Let, let, let's uh, just high level. Where do you stand on it? How do you feel about it? Well, after a lot of years, just like thinking about it, um, I'm still on the on the side of Hamilton should have won that, and Michael Massey. Pardon my use of language. Is a total doofus for making that choice. Oh Actually, God, no, 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 no. Let, let, let's 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 be honest. He's an idiot. Okay, let's. He he is one hundred percent an idiot. I'm glad he was sacked. I'm I'm glad he no longer works for um, FIA. Tell us I'm how you really feel. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Like just to answer uh, what you said earlier uh, about the season, the season was fantastic. Like it for me was the best season between Max and Lewis. The the battles they had, um, Max Verstappen um, parking his car on top of Lewis's head, 
in <laughs> Italian Grand Prix. Um, Hamilton allegedly pushing um, Max to the wall in uh, in Silverstone. It's his home race. Um, but yeah, like it was it, honestly, it was a good season. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I would have hoped that it would have ended differently. Um, but even towards the end, like it was a good payoff. Um, the racing and everything that had happened, all of the controversy, all of the like the back and forth between Toto Wolf and Christian Horner, that was another battle all to itself. But yeah, it was uh, for me, it was a good season, um, to say the least. But uh, yeah, that, that ended the way. Just, yeah, I'm. I'm still. Yeah, I'm still pissed yeah, off. Yeah, okay, we're gonna come some... back to you in a second. Drew, what do you? What's your take? <laughs> For everyone who can't see what's going on here, Ed is like boiling. I know this is a, an audio podcast. We do have a YouTube channel. Go check that out. I'll use this to plug it. But Ed, I can see the steam coming out of his head, and like the gears are turning. He is. He is struggling for words for the sole fact that he wants to say a string of four letter words that are likely going to, you know, end up in trouble with the wife. But um, yeah, he, yeah, it's okay, man. You'll yeah. be okay. You'll be yeah, okay. I'm, 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 hold, I'm still trying to hold this back. This too shall you pass. Know? Yeah. Why, why are you trying to hold back though? Hold back. I know. I noticed that too. Okay. Who's not ready to hold back? Who's ready to like let her rip? I'm not going to let it rip, but I would like, listen, I'm a, I'm a Lewis Hamilton fan at heart. That's, it's just who I am. When I first started watching racing, Lewis Hamilton was winning. You obviously start picking your team or whatever, just like any sport. You obviously want to cheer for the winner. That's when I started watching it in 2016. So I came right into the Hamilton era. That being said, I, you know, obviously over the last few years, Hamilton has not been winning every single race. And I'm still a Lewis Hamilton fan, but I, I enjoy good racing. I like to watch Formula One at its prime. And 2021 will go down from what I've been told from people who've been watching it for 30 years and people that have been watching it for five years since Drive to Survive came out, that it, it'll go down as one of the best seasons in Formula One history. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. But I don't think that what happened at the end of that race, in the final race, the final few laps or the final lap, when all those cars after the safety car got to unlap and then only certain cars came back, so they pretty much just wanted to put Max Verstappen on fresh softs right behind Lewis Hamilton on some old whatevers. And the point is that like, if you're going to be fair, be fair all the way. If you're going to unlap drivers, unlap all the drivers. You can't start picking and choosing what rules you want to follow on the fly when this race mattered. This was going to be the difference. I don't care if it was Lewis first or Max first. I just want to watch good, fair racing. And I thought it was very disheartening for all of the new Drive to Survive, you know, the new style fans coming in. They're coming like what our sport looked like a joke. It looked, it just looked so unorganized. There was no rules like, and the rule book got thrown out the window, but like only halfway and they caught the rule book and they're like, well, these pages work for this situation. And I remember, I remember uh, total wolf getting on the radio being like, no, Michael, no, this is not how this happens. You can't do it. No. And like, you could just see like the total nader just watching like his entire season slip through his hands and it was gutty. And like, I, if I were Max Verstappen, I don't know if that would have felt good for me. Like, I, you know, when you play a buddy in pool or something and like he scratches on the eight ball and like, did you win or did he just not win? You know, 
I'd rather win the real way. Like it, that's the thing. We're talking about the last race and the last lap of the last season. You know what I mean? Max, in my opinion, owned that season. Like he should have won. If you don't look at that last race, Max should have won that entire season. Him and Hamilton were going back and forth, but like there was a lot of DNFs in that season that uh, that Max had to deal with. And like, like I said, I'm a Hamilton fan. I would love to see Max lose, but I also understand that the sport needs to be fair. But if you look at that season, Max was running that show. The fact that it came down to the last, you know, last race and the last lap just attributed to how good Mercedes was as a team and consistency where Red Bull had the car. Right. And so that's just my two cents on kind of what what happened at the end of 2021. But I remember that I will never forget that season. I'll never forget that race. My heart, I like my heart broke. Like, and then watching Hamilton, dude, he was absolutely gutted and watching him go and talk to his dad. And like, you know, Max was pumped. It was a, a championship for him. Like that's to get on the board like that is nice. You know what I mean? Would he have preferred to do it? Quote unquote, the right way? Probably. But, you know, you take what you can get. After everything, the FIA, people were talking about, like, is, you know, Lewis Hamilton going to fight it? He doesn't want to win it that way either because these guys are racers. They want to, this needs to be settled on the track, right? This needs to be like, I beat you because I'm faster and better, not because of some rule book, not because of some bullshit. They want to win legitimately so that they can look each other in the eye on the podium and be like, I'm faster than you. That's that. And with that, sir, I will pass it to you, Thomas. Well, um, I think Max Verstappen is the greatest driver ever, and uh, he deserved to win, and that's where I stand. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to kind of piss off that word a little bit there. So uh, anyways, my, my real thoughts is uh, 2021 uh, season was, was was fantastic. It's it's what both of you guys said. It was, it was incredible to watch, most memorable for sure. Um, the whole season, it was Mercedes, basically Mercedes and, um, and Red Bull. Uh, Tooth and nail, you know, one race Red Bull goes up, the next the race Mercedes wins. So you just kept on climbing, and basically, it was like that till the rest last couple of races. Um, what happened is I'm very torn on this, just as you are, guys. Um, I don't think it was a fair finish at all. Uh, basically, what half of the cars got on lap, half didn't. Um, just the way Michael Massey decided to to play with the rule books or or twist the rule book. Um, it's not fair. It's just simple as that. Uh, who should have won? I'm not too sure. They're, they're both they're both great drivers. They both have a lot of skill. Um, I'm leaning more towards uh, Lewis should have won. Max had a little bit of an unfair advantage. Maybe not a little bit. Maybe a lot. Um, and just what what you guys said as well. You know, he, they were Mercedes said they were not going to fight it, but then I think Toto wanted to fight it. And it got nowhere, but at the same time, it's like, you know, as, as you put it, Drew, like, you want to win it fair and square, and it wouldn't have been a good look for Lewis. And if, um, and the way Max took this, too, I, I don't think it's a it's a good look for him either way, but a win is a win. He he took it, and, and he's staying with it. Um, as for Michael Massey, he's he's a character on his own. I, I love the guy, but the, the decision he made that last race was what's pure, pure stupidness. Um, part of me, I, I did, as a, as a personal thing, I did enjoy that Red Bull won, that it wasn't Lewis anymore. It was a different team on top, but it wasn't the most fairest way, and that's what I didn't like. Um, so that, that's that's honestly where 
where I stand in regards to this uh, to this whole fiasco about you, Walker. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys all kind of hit a lot of the major points. You know, one thing that I wanted to touch on was the fact at that point of the race, at that point of the season, really, I think most Formula One fans, whether you're Team Lewis or Team Max, you just want to see a good finish to the season. And regardless of who won that last race, that was taken away from the fans, that was taken away from the racers because of the way that the the stewards decided to to rule in that race. I think everyone that's watching it, everyone who's reviewed it, can agree that the way that they interpreted the rules was was a little loose. It wasn't a full interpretation. They kind of wanted to obviously make the end entertaining. And, you know, sometimes the rules just dictate a boring end to a game. You know, you can watch a Super Bowl. It can be an amazing Super Bowl. And then you'll have a quarterback who's going to take a knee for the last two downs. You're going to see a race finish under the safety car. It's just what's going to happen because that's what the rules predicate. Um, I think maybe Michael Massey was under, he was obviously under a lot of pressure in that scenario. And I always wondered what kind of, what kind of voices he had in his ear from people in like the Liberty Media Group, right? People who are there for the entertainment value, people who want the shock, the awe, they want people to be talking about the Formula One championship. And frankly, what they got from that race was a ton of PR, a ton of publicity, a ton of attention on the sport that would have never otherwise been there. Now, not suggesting that is what I want to see, and that's not what I think should have happened. But as a result on the effect of the sport of it all, was it, I don't know, was there an upside for the business of Formula One versus the, the sporting nature of Formula One? I don't think we're going to really know. And Michael Massey took a lot of shit and he got canned and he is the scapegoat. Uh, but I really wonder, you know, who was really like pulling those strings at that point, um, you know, between the FIA, between the uh, Liberty Media Group uh, and everyone else involved. And I think for those that, you know, really cry foul that Lewis Hamilton was robbed and that he should have won. You know, I think there's an element of that when you start to look at how the rules were interpreted. But let's not forget that there was an entire season of racing that brought us to this point as well. You know, and, and it's incredible. It's, I don't even know what the mathematical probability of it that you end up on the last race tied in points. Like that just on its own is a little bit mind blowing. But when you look at, you know, some of the previous races, even just a few races prior in Brazil, right, where I think it was on that opening lap, uh, Lewis cut that first corner. A lot of people said he should have gotten a penalty for, or he should have like, given that place back, but the stewards were on his side. Um, there was that accident he, not that accident, that error he made in back when that restart when he was in the front row and then he missed uh, the button with a brake bias and he went off track, right? There were a lot of instances where he either made a mistake or he maybe got a call in his favor for the stewards. And as a result, it ended up in tied points and it's just a shitty way that it went down. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, I think it was poorly called. Um, should Lewis have won based on the proper interpretation of the rules? Probably. Um, but he didn't. And, you know, whether whether Max wanted that one, went on to win in that way or not, I think 
that man is going to take it because that is a win. And he, really, I don't really think he gives a fuck. He's like, I fought hard all season. And is it my fault? Is it Max's fault that went down that way? Is there like a secret Max club in the FIA that wanted him to win? Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Maybe. And you know what? If I look back at it too, and just as you were saying at the end there, Walker, like, does Max deserve to win that championship? Yeah. Did Lewis w- deserve to win that championship? Yeah. You know, like, that's why it came down to the last lap on the last race. Like you said, did the did the rules play out like they were written? Arguable. And that's why we're talking about it. And that's why Edward is thousands of dollars deep and some serious therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, so, I, I actually want to go back to what you guys all, all of three course you, guys you do. Said. Of course you want to. Wanna go back, <laughs> I, I want to go back to one yeah. thing, uh, just not not to really defend Lewis, but the entire race minus that incident on turn one, Max couldn't catch up. Max couldn't get the gap between him and Lewis under ten seconds. It didn't matter after the um, the incident with Giovinazzi. Um, where uh, Max had uh, switched over to hards to see if he can, you know, pump that up a little bit more. And uh, yeah, like if if we were to look at it from a standpoint of um, racing and, uh, you know, their abilities for that race, Hamilton had the edge already, like at the start. Like he had a fantastic race. Up until Latifi destroyed everything, which I just have to add. Also, I'm glad he's out of oh. Formula One. I mean, he's Canadian. Yeah, sad to say, but I'm glad he's gone. Like just when because of cr- that. Just Is because it this of this event, really, solely <laughs> yeah. because of this event. Solely because of that. Solely. No, actually, no. I I just dislike him for um, what kind of driver he is. His well, inability to drive greatest. the car. He was the greatest. It was Gotifi. Yeah. We all know. <laughs> Live, laugh, Latifi. <laughs> no. He was a paid driver. No. <laughs> no. I'm sorry. But yeah, like for me, that was the that was the uh the crux of Latifi's final career in Formula One and just destroyed everything. Um for <laughs> again, that's my my uh my interpretation my my opinion about it but i'm so glad he's gone but i also blame him too for destroying the entire thing like you had one job one job finish the damn race seriously so who who do you blame more latifi or massey ooh ooh good, <laughs> good question good question, good question. so good question, i i would say that latifi um gave a reason to Massey to mess things up. Yeah, he was the catalyst. Without Latifi, Massey wouldn't even be in the conversation. However, Mm -mm. if Massey just played it right, Latifi's accident wouldn't have had a wouldn't be an issue. So that's a chicken or the egg as far as I'm concerned. That's true. Doing what Latifi does. Like that's just like he's doing his thing. It's true. We should have expected it really. Yeah. (laughs) No, I, I expect it every race. Latifi to crash, Latifi to complain, Latifi to be like, what is wrong with this car? But like, yeah, no. Let I'm me ask you guys this fun. question then, just on like a, a little quick whim. One answer. Who's the new Latifi? Ed. Hmm. 
the breeze. Thomas. I have to agree with that. The breeze. Walker. I'm going Sergeant. I'm going to say DeVries as well. Hmm. I'm going to say DeVries. Yeah, I think he's the new Latifi. Like, we kind of just wait for him to, like, put it in the wall or, like, kiss a wall or something. Well, like, I think that's almost consistent. And no matter what broadcast I listen to, like the F1 or if I listen to Sky Sports, everyone's kind of like, you know, when they talk about um, the teams waiting for strategies, they're like, oh, well, they're kind of waiting for, like, oh, is there going to be a safety car? You can tell under their breath. They're like – is DeVries going to put it into a wall? That's what they actually mean. Yeah, he's been doing okay the last few years. You know what though. he has? I think him and Monaco. Him and Monaco, I think, was the best the best outing we've seen him. Absolutely. So I, I do want to go back quickly um, to the whole Max and Lewis topic because obviously this caused a lot of outrage. Uh, Ed is still reeling from it almost three years later. Yes. Very much. My so. question is flip things around. Flip Hamilton and Max. You put them in each other's cars, each other's position. Is there the same amount of outrage if Hamilton gains the same advantage that Max gained as a result of these calls? Yes. Really? Quick answer because yes. Max fans yes. are just as hardcore as Lewis fans. I remember seeing this meme recently too on, I don't know, whatever, you know, F1 thing I follow. And it was a picture of Max and Lewis on the couch after a race. And they're looking at each other's phones. And the meme says, why don't our fans just get get lives? Because like, that's the only thing that lights up in every single F1 forum is like Max versus Lewis versus Max versus Lewis. I think if it was any other two drivers, this wouldn't even be a topic to talk about on a podcast. I think it's just because Lewis fans are so hardcore and Max fans are so hardcore. And I would argue it's because they will go down in history of two of the greats. And that's why I think they're so hardcore. So fast answer. Yeah, I think that we would still be in this conversation. Very much so. I'd be a much happier camper, but so you, yeah. So you don't think that the the inherent goodwill that Lewis carries with him, just because of his attitude and because of the driver he's been the last, you know, five six years, would carry a different public sentiment. I think aside from like the hardcore fans, I'm talking about more like the. I think Lewis the, the general would, would sentiment been, amongst. I think Lewis would have been more gracious about it i think if that's how it happened and he would have won in that fashion i think he would have been like listen like you know i think that he would have given a lot of credit to max he would have said listen this was like not the way i wanted to win it he would have you know he would have had a more of a conversation about it because he it's not his first right so he's already got like six in the bag seven in the bag at this point he didn't really care you know, for him, it was just him cementing himself as a great where Max needed this first one as like, the, mm-hmm. you know, the crazy racer that he is. I want to win, 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 which is should be the DNA code for all F1 drivers as far as I'm concerned. But he he needed that win so bad he would have taken it anyway where Lewis wouldn't have. And I think he would have been classier about winning. And I think we talked about that earlier when, you know, we talked about Max becoming a little more classy as he wins more often. So. Anyone else have a take on that? I think uh, I think Drew said everything perfectly uh, in regards to to how we think um, Lewis would have would have reacted. 
I think he would have been a little bit more chill about it. I think he would have been a little bit more, um, I don't know, fair to, I guess, to, to Max and, and his fans saying, listen, like this, this wasn't exactly a, a fair race, if you can call it that. And uh, just to kind of touch up on Drew's point, um, yeah, he would have done it in a classier manner instead of uh, instead of kind of what Max did. Like Max needed the win, and and Lewis uh, Lewis was just uh, wanting to uh, to tie Michael Schumacher uh, record. So that's that's all I have to add. Drew uh, Drew said it perfectly. All right, so should we move on and bring ourselves back into twenty twenty three? Ed, anything else you want to get off your chest? Uh, fine. Just Long a final Lewis. note. Just a final note on this um, to, to put it to bed. It was again fantastic season, and to look at it from a different standpoint, um, a different point of view. That's not you know coming from the pits of my stomach in terms of like. Please, Ed, enlighten us. Yeah. Um, had it been that Lewis would have won the championship, his eighth championship, I had a feeling that he was going to retire. Had he done that, Mm -hmm. had he done that, had he won, he would have retired. But the other side of it was that the, the way things went down, there was such a scare for him to just like walk away. Like he was at that point where he went, social media silent, radio silent. He just went off-grid. I had a feeling that he was going to retire. So him being back and him trying to fight for his next championship is something that I kind of enjoy. However, the way things went down, um, and I'm, I'm not... I'm not, you know, alien to different controversies. I mean, there was a time that Lewis Hamilton um, did something very sketchy in the 2016 um, uh, championship with uh, with Nico Rosberg in the final race. Like he was holding back Nico, and that for me, when I saw him do that, I was like, okay, petty, but I'm still a Lewis fan. But you know what? Like the way things went down, if you want to look at it from a holistic point of view. We still have Lewis Hamilton racing. Um, and amen for that. A, a, lo- a, lo- a, lot of, a lot of people now want to watch even more because now they're expecting a lot of controversies. Now we have camps. We have the Max camp. We have the Lewis camp. And they're ever growing. And at the end of the day, who wins out of everyone? Liberty Media. Because now they have made sure that they've created drama and made it mainstream for everyone to consume and everyone's going to be like oh my god there's so much drama that happened in 2021 what's 2022 going to be like and the future of formula one so on a final note it was a good way to end it but a bad way for me (laughs) that's how i would put it thank you ed for that concise summation of events uh that was wonderful thank you um so Let's bring it back to 2023. This is a, a topic that came up in the Discord channel. Shout out to the Discord channel. Find the link for it in the show notes. Join the conversation. We were talking about dream teams. Formula One dream teams. Our all-star lineup. We're all going to take a chance, a uh, turn to, to choose our drivers here. But I want to expand the idea of what 
a dream team is in the in the chat we're talking about okay pick your two drivers i want to take it a step further i want to pick our two drivers i want to pick the manufacturer or the team and I'd also like to choose the principal okay principal team drivers I like and i also want to, I, I think you need to also preface your choices by sharing what is the motivation behind this team is it just pure performance and winning is it entertainment is it conflict like what are you going for when you're building this fantasy team i want to start quickly and just thank you profusely for taking this from like an okay yes no question to amazing and i am very much looking forward to hearing what you guys have to offer on this one because i'm it's really like building your f1 fantasy team Right. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Pumped. I I want to add though, um, just like a stipulation. Are we limiting it to just this year, or are we moving all the way back? Current year, twenty twenty three. We're bringing just, it to, we're just bringing it to present. Year. Yeah. Whatever constructor, um, principals and drivers are on the grid. This Let's week. add in a a reserve driver as well, Ooh. just for kicks. Okay. I like it. Okay. I like that. You know what? Who wants to kick us off? Team principal, I would say Gunther Steiner. Um, constructor, I would go with uh, I would go with Ferrari, and then Dream Two drivers. Max Verstappen, Leclerc. Okay, what's your motivation behind this? Break down the so, choices. Yeah, so for um, entertainment's sake and also the will to win, Gunther Steiner, like he is still trying to show up with Haas um, with what limit limited budget and limited um, technology they would have. They're still they're still getting points, the very least. So imagine putting him with Ferrari, who probably has um, a good car and probably has good tech, but doesn't have good direction or strategy. And then even if I am a Lewis fan, I do recognize how Max is like a good driver. And you pair him up with Leclerc, there's going to be so much drama there. Because at the end of the day... um, for me, when uh, Lewis and Rosberg was like killing each other um, for the championship, I enjoyed that season, 2016. That was fun for me to watch. So, and also Mark Weber and uh, and his uh, his name is uh, escaping me right now. The German driver uh, Sebastian Vettel, when they were fighting each other, it was also good. So I'm looking for something like that again. Okay, and who's uh, your reserve driver? Reserve driver, I would probably put Kevin Magnussen. Okay, the dark horse. Yeah, I right. like it. Dark horse. There we go. Yep, definitely dark horse. All but right, I, I let's yeah. do this. Dream team, um, constructor, Mercedes. Driver lineup will be Fernando Alonso. 
and Lando Norris. We're going to call them Ferlando. And I would love okay. to see Danny Rick as the reserve driver because I don't think Fernando Alonso or Lando Norris is going to get hurt or do anything dumb. So it would ultimately just be a absolutely comical part of that. Um, who would I love to see? Oh, I'd love to have the Totonator. Oh, come on. He would be an absolutely awesome team principal. I, you know what? That I always have this dilemma of the Christian Horner. Christian Horner is the type of team principal that like you love to hate him. He's that guy that you want on your team. The Patrice Bergeron mm -hmm. of like Formula One. You, you, you absolutely <laughs> yeah. hate him, but you want him on your team because he, he defends those boys even when they're in the wrong. Like 100%. Like when Max does some fucked up shit. He's like, no, no, Max, oh, yeah, no, the other driver. And, like, that's what you need. You need somebody who's going to defend your boys. Um, I like Mercedes as a constructor. I think the new um, rule changes for the bodies messed them up big time. I think they are going to push for a new, like, absolutely new car over the coming years as the rule changes um, evolve into 2026. So I think they're playing the long game. I think they know that there's a rebuild going on at uh, Mercedes, but I'd love to see the Totonator absolutely take care of that because I think he runs that like a German military and those that team shows up to bat every time. And even when they don't have a winning car, they have winning strategies and they got winning like the boys in the pit to the aerodynamics. The, the communication between all pillars of that team is fantastic. Um, as far as Fernando Alonso, when you have the Audi Sauber team going into 2026 and they're still thinking about signing Fernando Alonso. He will be 45 years old. That's because he's a motherfucking G and I don't care what anyone says about it. That guy, man, he, did you see him uh, in social media beef up and say, I will not, not be on the podium for the rest of the year. Every other race is going to find me on the podium. That to me is just radical confidence coming out of somebody who's proven that he can do it. I think Lando Norris is a very underrated driver. He just happens to be in a shitbox this year to the point where Lando is actually getting frustrated and like openly saying to the media, like, well, I did my best with the car that I'm driven or driving. And so mm -hmm. that being said, I think that's, and Danny Rick. Yeah. He's my reserve driver. Cause that guy's hilarious. Okay. So my, uh, my team, I guess would be as a manufacturer would be Alfa Romeo. Uh, drivers would be uh, Valtteri Bottas and Fernando Alonso. And uh, team principal, I would go with Christian Horner. And reserve, I would probably go with, um, uh, same as I've said, uh, Magnuson, just because I think he's a character. Uh, the, the reason is uh, why I picked this team is I think, uh, I mean, I love both drivers, Valtteri and, and, and Alonso. They're both fantastic. I think uh, it would be uh, fucking amazing in an Alfa Romeo. I just can't, you know, I would be, I would love to see Alonso in an Alfa Romeo and hopefully Bottas, it would ignite the same fire in Bottas to be competitive as he was in, uh, in Mercedes and maybe, um, maybe Alonso wouldn't be so competitive, wouldn't be going straight for first, 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 you know, I think he would be more of a bit of a team player. And I think, uh, Christian Horner, just as an editor, I think it would really, he would really, really push that team from, you know, probably a, a bottom, uh, bottom team or, or lower mid team to, to definitely a higher up. Um, 
I think it would be a great uh, dynamic between the drivers and uh, it'd be a, definitely a very, uh, very interesting races. And um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be a lot of entertainment. Amazing. Well, you guys all took this assignment way too seriously because, and I can't believe I'm the only one going to say this because, okay, team Williams, drivers, Max, Lewis, reserve driver, Alonzo, team principal, I need to look up his name because I need to make sure I do my best not to butcher it, Otmar Snafnauer. The Alpine, uh, for those of you, because I probably butchered it, the Alpine uh, principal. And here's where I'm going with this. Let's take all of the biggest egos, most talent on the grid, and put them in the shittiest car, or one of them. <laughs> See what they can do with it. Now, let's take that <laughs> ego, and let's pair it with one of the most, maybe soft-spoken principles on the grid. You know, you have like the Christian Horners, you have the Totos, you have the... Uh, the Gunther Steiners, and then you have Otmar. And he's just kind of like a little unassuming. Like, I'm sure he's, he obviously knows what he's doing, and he's still probably like a badass maybe behind scenes. But from what he puts out there, he's just like soft-spoken. He's just like easygoing, you know, like his CEO rips into him every once in a while. He's like, okay, sorry, boss. And you pair him with all that ego in one team in a marginal car. A, it will be really interesting to see what they can do with that kind of car when you have that talent. And B, it'll be really, really fun to hear them get frustrated when they realize it's a piece of shit. And, you know, we said fantasy, and this is my fantasy Formula One lineup, just for pure entertainment. That was uh, that was definitely an interesting choice that you pick, Walker. I, I was not expecting that for sure. Well, here, you guys go for, like, real teams, like, like realistic oh. pairings. I'm like, Jesus. You're an absolute man, fucking legend for picking that team, dude. That shit is hilarious. <laughs> anyway, yeah. if you want to see, I would love to see Lewis and Max fighting it out in the in a go-kart they call Williams and just see. You know what? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. And just see what happens. Like, you're, I, yeah, and not having a team principal behind there to tell them to not play nice and play nice and all that. I think that would be. I think that would, Liberty Entertainment would love that. Absolutely. And, you know, I think just seeing Max and Lewis in the same car in general, regardless of the team, it would be really interesting to see how they are performing in that same car. Um, just really, you know, skill to skill, driving style to driving style. I think there would be a lot of people in one of those camps getting really quiet when the better driver shows up. Because that's the one thing in F1, unless you're in the same car, no one can ever compare apples to apples. So until you see Max and Lewis in the same car, nobody else on track, no other nonsense. Just put those two in, in the same car, take the branding off of it and just put them in a car and see who drives faster. I think it would be all oh, the Internet would explode. It would explode. It'd be like Taylor Swift releasing a new fucking concert series. <laughs> the Internet would explode. It's going to be a Netflix special when, uh, in like 20 years when Lewis and Hamilton or Lewis and Max are kind of washed up and need a little extra cash. Yeah, 100%. Uh -huh. It's be like those charity boxing matches. <laughs> yes, exactly. Celebrity boxing matches. All right. So that was good fun. Um, we're going to close out with uh, some new news. Speaking of Danny Rick and uh, Drew's boy there, he is going to be hosting 
a new show for ESPN for all the North American races. You want to walk us through that and what that looks like? Yeah. So um, Danny Ricardo and Will Arnett, uh, the comedian, are going to be hosting the North American um, races on ESPN for their alternate network. Um, and the production company is owned by um, Peyton Manning. And it's called Omaha. And his production company has um, has hired Danny Rick and Will Arnett to uh, to do the commentary. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. I'm I'm torn because I'm super excited because I think alternate commentary is really important because not everybody needs a super high level um, technical aspect of the the races. Um, the Omaha production company, so Eli and Peyton Manning, both host the alternate Monday Night Football um, announcing and commentary, and it's really good. Um, they also have a kinship because they're brothers. They also were both NFL quarterbacks at the top of their game, so they also know the sport inside and out. And football is also a very different sport because after every play, every down, there's a little bit of pause. And so, you know, they're able to have other guests in, other commentary. They're able to do more with the show. So I'm very interested to see how this is going to play out. Another question I had is because Danny Rick works for Red Bull, how unbiased is he going to be? Like, is he going to be able to call what he sees going on as far as commentary is concerned? Like, what happens if... Checo is doing a terrible job. Can he say like, wow, Checo just did this because ultimately he's gunning for that seat as the reserve driver. So how unbiased is he going to be in his commentary? Um, I, I know Will Arnett is a big F1 fan. He had his own podcast and posted his own podcast. And I know he's heavy into motorsports. I'd be curious to see how he does with this. I don't know if they have any sort of chemistry together because that's a big thing as we've learned hosting this podcast, like, you know, obviously our chemistry has gotten better in the last few weeks too. But um, I'd love to see the comedy aspect from um, what Danny Rick has, what Mr. Arnett has, because they're both funny guys, but they also have to keep it blue, right? These guys have to, to be polite and, you know, we don't luckily. So, you know, the funny parts of Danny Rick of all his interviews is when he's talking about his ball sack or like sweating and like doing all this ridiculous stuff, which makes Danny Rick, Danny Rick. But I don't think he's going to be able to pull that off on ESPN. So I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. Um, and I'd love to see how things are going to be when they're not in the same room beside each other. I read an article written by ESPN and they're going to be in different places on the globe. And I think there's a lot of camaraderie that happens and a lot of um, synergy that happens among radio and, and television broadcasting people when you're in the same room, you can feed off the same energy. And I think it's going to be very difficult for them to do that. To summarize all of this, I'm super pumped about the Canadian Grand Prix this weekend. It's going to be absolutely awesome. And I, I pay for the F1 pro TV or whatever, so I can watch it. I also have TSN so I can watch the TSN sky sports version of it. But then I also I'm going to be watching the ESPN version because I need to see this alternate broadcast. Um, so, yeah, I'm just kind of curious to see how all this is going to play out. I think Liberty Entertainment has done a good job at pairing up with Omaha because I think that production company is going to be the best, best team out there to bring this to market. I think they did a great job picking the people, and um, I'm just pumped to see how it plays out. Yeah, I think it's going to be really exciting to see how uh, this plays out. Both are really exciting personalities. And Will Arnett, with that voice, come on now. 
He's going to sound amazing. Just tune in for the voice, if nothing else. And uh, pro tip, Drew, you know you can listen to the Sky Sports version on the F1 app, right? Uh, I'm right now years old learning that. So no. There you go. You hit the international feed. So you get the, like the live and then you hit the international and then you got Sky Sports. Oh, mind blown. Well, thank you. I can go to bed now. I learned what I needed to do for today. Thank you. All right. So we gave our prediction for the Canadian Grand Prix last week's episode. We're really looking forward to it. Anyone have any last words? Anything they're looking forward to this weekend? Go Mercedes. Go Mercedes. <laughs> Along with <laughs> Lewis Hamilton. Um, Thomas? I I, uh, I hope it's going to be an exciting uh, an exciting race with lots of uh, events and um, hopefully not too many crashes or anything like that. And uh, it's going to be a fun race, I hope. That's that's all I'm hoping for, and, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Curious to see how many of the drivers kiss the wall of champions this weekend. That I'm very much looking forward to. But other than that, I'm pumped that uh, the Grand Prix is back in Montreal, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's all it's always good to have the Grand Prix back in Canada, back in Montreal. I will tell you the one thing that bothers me a little bit though it's like a two to four race like this is not my formula one weekend this is not how things are supposed to go all right things are a little bit different for you thomas because you're over in europe but like you know i allocate my mornings to formula one and then the rest of the day to do like you know whatever else you got going on family shit stuff like that now i've got a race in the middle of the day qualifying middle of the day kind of fucks up my schedule whatever it's one race will be fine but not a huge fan of that part there we go. Anyways, boys, thank you for another wonderful chat. This has been Park Ferme, the Canadian Formula One podcast. Subscribe, listen, leave a review, comment, and we'll chat with you soon. Thanks, guys. Later. Yeah.